0: TED Audio Collective. This TED Talk features behavioral biologist Danielle N. Lee. Recorded live at TED 2019. Support comes from Zuckerman Spader. Through nearly five decades of taking on high stakes legal matters, Zuckerman Spader is recognized nationally as a premier litigation and investigations firm. Or add-on channels like Max for the HBO original Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David. You've never seen so many stars in one place. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See amazon.com slash Prime for details.
1: How y'all doing? Good. I came here to give you a science lesson about animal mating systems and why defining monogamy has been a challenge for scientists. But you won't need a textbook or download an online lecture. All you'll simply need to do is revisit the song OPP by Naughty by Nature. It was released in 1991. Now, OPP is a call and response song. So throughout the talk, I'm going to put lyrics up on the screen, and I'm going to recite some, and I'm going to prompt you when it's your turn to do the response, okay? <laughs> now, I know some people in this audience know this song, so I need you to lead the way with the tempo and the rhythm, if that's all right, okay? All right, y'all ready? Yeah. You done with OPP? Yeah, you know me. You with OPP? you know me. You with OPP? you know me. That was perfect. Thank you. I can't explain it. I take it frame by frame it. To have y'all jump and shout and sing in it. O is for other, P is for people, scratch your temple. The last P, well, that's not that simple. Now, in the song, the MC hints that it's a five-letter word, but to keep it rated PG, he simply refers to it as property. <laughs> the song is about cheating on your significant other. Now, around the time that this song was in heavy rotation, Biologists were in deep discussion about whether bird species, notably songbirds and waterfowl, were actually monogamous or not. See, for decades, generations of science students were taught that well over 90% of the bird species were monogamous a male and female mating faithfully for life. That was until the late 1980s when a new laboratory technique came on the scene, which could copy DNA from a small tissue or fluid sample and decode the genetics of individuals. Now, before that technique, we were never, ever certain about 100% who the parents of baby birds were. All we had were our field notes, and we would note which adults lived in the nest and which ones fed the baby birds. Well, come to find out, study after study kept coming in And we found so much evidence of infidelity (laughs) among bird species, particularly these songbirds that we thought were the pinnacle of monogamy. It would have made Maury Povich jealous for the ratings. (laughs) It rocked biology and ornithology so hard, we had to modify and expand the entire definition of monogamy. Now... It was so bad that this was the headline of the New York Times science section, August, 1990. Mating for life is not for the birds or bees. (laughs) We had to come up with new definitions. The situation where an individual would change partners either between breeding seasons or just simply because they didn't like that partner anymore, we now call that serial monogamy. I didn't know it was going to be this funny. <laughs> uh, the situation where we, where we know the male and female pair together and all the babies belong to both partners, we call that genetic monogamy. And we now recognize that it only holds true for about 14% of the songbird species we thought were, uh, we were very certain were truly monogamous. And with this reclassification, we realized that in a lot of those field observations where we saw a male and female sharing a nest, co-maintaining a territory, even provisioning offspring together, often included a few baby birds that did not belong to the male partner. We call this social monogamy. (laughs) And the mechanism responsible? Extra pair copulation. It's OPP time for other people's what you get it. There's no room for relationship, there's just room to. How many brothers out there know just what I'm getting at? Who think it's wrong because I was splitting and co hitting that? Well, if you do, that's OPP. Actually, that's EPC, which is the abbreviation for extra pair copulation. Now, we define extra pair copulation as the mating outside of a pair bond. And just like we were discovering via science, it can lead to babies that don't belong to the male partner, all right? Now, I first learned about EPCs years later after all the science news broke while I was in graduate school. And as we were taking a class talking about current discoveries and mating systems, this topic comes up. And as my professor is going through the definition and recounting all the dramatic turn of events that lead to these new revelations, I'm sitting in class and a familiar song starts bopping in my head. I'm like, you know what I'm thinking? Yeah, you know me. (laughs) I mean, that's exactly what that song was about. EPCs. And what I recognize is that this gives us an opportunity to revisit this song. Let's, Let's switch the lyrics up. So say EPC. EPC. Say it like you mean it. Say EPC. EPC. I like to say it with pride. Now, when you do it, do it well and make sure that it counts. You're not down with a discount. You down with EPC? Yes, and you know? You know me. You're down with EPC? Yes, you know me. Now, I had always been playing songs in my head while I was in science class, kind of tapping into this index of pop culture and hip hop songs. But when I would share my analogies with my science professors, all of whom are older white men, I often got (laughs) blank and confused stares as responses. (laughs) But when I would share this with people from communities like mine or other colleagues, so diverse communities, this hip-hop science remix was a hit. That's because I was either talking to people who looked and sounded like me or at the very least, you know, listen to some of the same songs. We were sharing a common cultural lexicon And with that lexicon, I was able to bring new science terms to them. And together, we were sharing a new comprehension of science for the culture. Now, hip-hop and hip-hop song references are a really good tool for teaching content to students from hip-hop culture or urban communities. And I use it intentionally to connect to those students, tapping into vocabulary that they already know, and systems that they already comprehend. And what it does in that process is it ratifies them, us, our culture, as knowledge purveyors. I use hip-hop to frame and communicate science because I'm intentionally communicating science to broader audiences that uh, public science outreach has traditionally overlooked. And in the process, I am affirming the genius that thrives in the young minds of people from every hood, everywhere. So let me ask you one last time. You down with EPC? Yeah, you know me. You down with EPC? Yeah, you know me. You down with EPC? Yeah, you know me. You down yeah, you know me. Who's down with EPC? All oh, all homie. Thank you. Yeah.
0: For more TED Talks, go to TED.com.